I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We're exploring the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And here with us today is Bobby Cameron, VP and Principal Analyst, to discuss the CIO and the destiny of companies. Welcome, Bobby. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. There's been a lot written about the CIO as a position and as a human being, but I want to take a different angle. What I want to do is talk about the market dynamics that are affecting companies and the destiny of companies to which the CIO plays a major role in that response. So can we talk a little bit about what are those dynamics? Forrester said a great deal about the age of the customer and how there is a shift in the power from a traditional business model in which the company from the inside out produced products and services and, and created demand for them. The digital experience of the customer starts to shift information from fully in the control of the company to much more broadly accessible. That digitally informed customer now can understand pricing, bundling, competition, can talk to buddies and, and get opinions all in a very short period of time, and that's what shifts the power. So now companies have to, one, behave digitally, and two, respond to this power shift, this information shift. So the design point for technology delivery and business value delivery is outside in. Yep. It's that customer-led characteristic that is the distinction. And that radically shifts an operational back office tracking data kind of a role for technology to one where, on, in addition to continuing to do that, there's this outside-in understand the customer, respond to the needs of the customer, and provide information that makes all that flow. In part of your answer, you spoke about sort of the digital response of the company. And so we have this universe where there's expectations to dramatically improve the digital experiences, and those expectations are not being informed from within an industry. So utility experience is not informing the next utility experience. They're being informed by the best possible experience a consumer has anywhere, that's whether right. that's yeah. Amazon or Google or Facebook, whatever that might be. So that places CIOs in other industries sort of in a new plane of competition, which is they now have to compete digitally across industries. Do they see that dynamic? I don't think that they see it that way specifically, though there's some evidence that they're behaving that way. So let's talk about those two pieces. The first uh, uh, is that they recognize that there is a commonality. So if you look at the leaders, they are companies who understand that it's from the perspective of the customer. The consumer business doesn't matter. All of us as individuals have the experience of the smartphone and how that works. And so we go do something with an Amazon or a Delta Airlines and both very good experiences. And now I've got that richness. And now I go deal with my plumber. And wait a minute, that's not the same experience. What's wrong? And that's the attitude. So now that's the source of the understanding. Do they, under, do they actually implement it and understand it? Uh, it's not a common conversation. What's happening, though, is companies are, in fact, looking for someone who's got real experience. So it's not that they go out and say, oh, it's a common thing. Let's go do a common architecture by any means. But they understand they've got to source some of that understanding. Yeah. And I think there's a, a, a an input output here, which is sort of the digital experiences are not just good unto themselves. CX has a provable relationship to revenue. And sometimes we talk about it in terms of upside, which is if I improve it, I will see upside. The other way to think about it is if I don't improve it or if the customer's expectations outpace my ability to advance those experiences, I will start to see more and more revenue churn and customer churn. That relationship places the CIO squarely on top of the P&L in That's that right. context. That's right. 
And and I guess the same question, do they see that? Is, is that one of the equations that are part and parcel of their thinking of digital transformation? Can I just will? jump in there and also ask, traditionally, though, CIOs have viewed their customer as the potentially the internal employee, right? And not viewing it as the end customer, potentially. Is that true? And what's the dynamic or shape of that in the market today? Well, it varies. The answer to the question varies by the maturity of the CIO and the company they operate in. And if we look at those CIOs who are in companies at the top of Forrester CX index, three quarters of those, 75%, identify the external customer Mm -hmm. as the CIO's customer. The bottom uh, CIOs, the CIOs in companies at the bottom of the CX index list, only 25% of those guys think of the external customer as their customer. They very much, like you say, are traditional and look at the internal business as their customer. And then going back to the the revenue point, which is if I don't see the customer as external, I don't create that equation between the digital experiences driving the external customer's behavior thusly either creating revenue growth or revenue decline or churn. I'm not going to make that connection. Exactly. And, and so now going to your question, uh, it's hard to tell whether a CIO really cares about revenue or not unless we look at some measure. And KPIs, uh, key performance indicators, is a good approach. And we look at some uh, work Forrester did with looking at the, the CIO versus the business unit exec versus the marketing exec and what their KPIs are. The CIO cares mostly about project delivery. So timeframes and and quality of project delivery, that's their dominant. And they're not in line with revenue focus or or, uh, anything else other than that's business-based, other than profitability. And they come at profitability at a cost base. So, Bobby, that's an optimization play then. That's exactly right. So so the KPIs for the majority of CIOs, just like the identification of the customer— have a very major variant mm-hmm. based on the class of business they're in. But most CIOs still are locked into a cost model. So that creates a useful baseline for where we are. But I want to bring up three items, and we'll go through them one by one, about things that are happening over the next year or two that really do further change this dynamic. The first one is new tech like artificial intelligence doesn't create just linear improvement in technology, but should in its full implementation change the fundamental operation of the company. Two, you have platforms emerging and algorithms emerging that really are the delivery entity for products. They are the delivery of revenue. And the third is, for most companies, they're contemplating the existential question is, am I really becoming a software company? So let's do this one by one. The first one is technologies like AI fundamentally changing operations. That places the CIO more in concert with the COO at that point in time. Talk about that dynamic. So, so I, I think where you're, you're stepping is the uh, significance of technology and improving all parts of the business. And you picked operations as a key piece. Um, we could look and, and thinking in my mind, you mentioned COO of a manufacturer or something, somebody like that. There are companies out there who are using AI, essentially big, ba- big data techniques and software robots in the supply chain, analyzing the flow and driving for companies who've already done Six Sigma ISO 9000 improvements uh, and therefore have done the best we humans can do, are driving 20 to 30% improvement in cost of goods sold. And if that doesn't radically transform a market, don't know what will. Now, there's also an operational element that shows up in things like healthcare, where um, you can now get a saliva swab at your doctor's as they prescribe the medicine, they ship it off, and a day or two later they get back a, a drug interaction map that's based on 
research looking at your DNA. And now some, some things show up and some don't. But that's where we're going. And that starts to change and automate a lot of decisions doctors used to make on their own. And that's just an example. And in that example, I mean, one of the, one of the, the, the good parts or sometimes the scary parts of AI using that is the designer's algorithm is actually making business decisions that may be different than the doctor otherwise would have made. And so now that tech person is actually designing future decisions. That's exactly right. And, and then we're early enough now, just to be real clear, where this predictive economy is, uh, is in early stages and therefore in hospitals and places like that, they're, they're, the smart ones are actually treating the AI recommendations as just that and putting a human interface in there. I'll take the second, which is platforms are having an increasing effect on how B2C markets work, meaning consumers will use virtual agents on top of these platforms to make uh, discovery decisions and buy decisions and actually order through that process. So that means that CIOs need to either interpret other people's platforms algorithmically or build their own to be able to participate in that space. That's a very fundamentally different way of conducting business in places the CIO almost as the chief product officer at that point in time. Where are we with that? Well, so, so it still is an assistance role because the, uh, the concept of what the recommendations are and, and how the markets operate is a set of knowledge that will be picked up specifically by someone who studies and, and looks at that material. But the CIO starts – or the technology and manifested by a good CIO starts to be critical – in the delivery of those capabilities so that the, the, uh, um, the, the algorithms that drive financial investments, uh, all of these pieces are starting to take play a very key role in helping implement uh, what a human might have done historically. But if the, the, the role doesn't shift, the CIO doesn't take over that role because that's, that's a, a product expertise, capability expertise. The CIO comes in with platforming and tools that enables the manifestation of that, uh, uh, at least uh, today, that's how it works. Now, there's machine learning, of course, coming along that'll accelerate all that. So building that relationship with the chief product officer, is that a new partnership that needs to be formed or is that something that exists, you know, today or yesterday? Very good question, Jim, because the, the, the key characteristic of what's going on with the CIO in all of these cases that Victor's bringing up is the relationship between all the business activities and what the CIO does. And what we, what we have in terms of the impact on the CIO and the, and the structure of the company is a radical transformation of technology management moving from a, an afterthought and an order-taking kind of in a role into a core partnership with the other parts of the, all the other parts of the business. Um, and it's, it, it, it's not to diss the CIO at all, but it's like real estate. Nobody thinks about real estate as a separate operation. Everybody gets involved in how offices are designed, how the space is managed, et cetera. It's the, it's the same concept where there is an underlying, under, underlying uh, underpinning key characteristic. And if you don't have a CIO who understands how to take that into the language of the product people or the uh, operations people, it won't work. So part of your answer, Bobby, was the sort of the concept of an afterthought or order taker. The third element places the CIO as the business designer. So as more companies invest in digital and become digital, they're sort of contemplating the existential question is, if, am I now or will I need to be a software company? So that places the CIO next to the chief strategy officer as a designer of the future of the company. Where are we with, with that one? Well, there is a uh, there are two sides to that. One is the conceptual, the modeling, the innovation itself, 
And it's very difficult now to isolate the CIO's capabilities from those of the product people. So we actually see labs now being stood up um, uh, uh, by the CIO on behalf of product people. Whereas that used not to be the case. It used to be the product people would do it all on their own. So there's, there's more of a merging there. The other side is the implementation or the building of the capability itself, not just the innovation, figuring out what was cool, what will work, but, but actually delivering it. Um, and there, there's some evidence, and we're doing our research on this right now, but there's some early evidence that there is a disbursement of CIO types of skills into these groups. So you could look at uh, Philips uh, uh, Healthcare, for instance, out of, out of the Netherlands. They have started up an entire unit that's building software that wraps around their medical testing equipment uh, and uh, does analytics on the data relative to the specific individual and takes the results of those analytics and puts them in the electronic health record. They're doing it for their equipment and for competitors' equipment. So instead of forcing the technology down through the CIO into a separate company, they said, wow, this is distinctive enough. We're going to continue to manufacture heart monitors, but we'll now also write software to wrap heart monitors. And so that's a whole new product line for them, if you will. So the CIO sort of teaches the company how to operate as a software company but those efforts, those skills, and operations disperse across the disperse firm. Disperse to, to where they're most effective. And quite interestingly enough, the guy running, uh, Aaron Toss, who's running that organization at Phillips, was the group CIO. So given our discussion, I think it's a good time to talk about some research we recently did, which allowed companies to self-assess where they are in their journey to customer obsession. And in that research, 62% of companies self-assessed as lagging against how well they understand and adapt to their customers. But what's interesting is that the CEO and the CIO didn't see it that way. They saw their companies much further along, while the COO and the customer-facing teams skewed a little towards that their company was lagging. So, Bobby, how would you explain that difference? There's uh, a yin and a yang here that's critical, I think, to understanding who the CIO is and how they operate. And essentially, it's that the positive aspect of a CIO, and it's to be true of most CEOs, is aspirational. So what that means is that they are looking out into the future where they know it's going, work they have underway to get them there, so that, that yeah, we haven't quite realized it yet, but, we, but this is where we're going. Whereas you get a COO or someone who's driving actual CX implementations, they know what they know what's going on at the at the level of the road. They know that geez, that tires losing rubber and and it's really kind of nasty and hot. They know what's going on for real. So it's a question of of a problem driven reality view versus an aspirational future view. So it's almost like the CIO has sort of a mental roadmap, which is I know where we are, but more to the point, I'm tuned to where we're going. I'm tuned to where a, we're going. A, I've a, got a, things in place. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's important for the trajectory of the firm to have that mindset. And, and notice that's a leadership role. And that kind of vision is also characteristic of the CIOs in the more advanced companies, is that they are part of the strategy, the planning, you know, the seat at the table concept means those partnership types of, of behaviors. So we started this podcast saying it's not just a comment about the CIO and themselves as people but a comment about how the CIO plays the integral role in changing the destiny of the company against really hard changing market dynamics. And I'm going to take a step back now to about 15 years ago as IT budget started growing fast and there was pressure on the CIO to prove business value. And there's 
many years of, of different methods and different frustrations associated with the CIO proving business value. It really never got fully reconciled. But that comment was uniquely about the CIO's job and their job performance. Now we're at a different time and place where the comment is not about the CIO's job, but the company's ability to compete in the marketplace and the CIO playing a necessary role. So both, in both cases, it, it feels to me like it's not a question of the person, but a question of the conditions of success. You know, it's a structural question about the company. So, Bobby, what, what conditions of success have to be in there? Key word uh, is alignment. And that's actually uh, older than the 15 years. That's, that's been around since, you know, I knew how to spell IT. Mm-hmm. Um, so so th- the whole concept is that uh, technology for its sake is meaningless. And it has to be in the context of what, it, what the company is trying to achieve and how they're putting their other uh, expenditures, how they're driving their own overall strategy. And the critical thing that shifts for the CIO is having outcome-based uh, uh, metrics. So, so not just what's the health of my technology stack, though to run their business, they're, they're part of the business, they've got to do that. But, but what are the outcomes I'm delivering? And in the age of the customer, they are outside-in outcomes. Uh, so it's, it's uh, owning the revenue, the owning uh, those kinds of uh, customer expecta- meeting customer expectations, uh, driving customer experience, uh, improving products and services, as you talked about. Those are characteristics which correlate very strongly with the maturity of the firm and, and customer obsession. That also has to be how the CIO is behaving. So the CIO, if you look at what they're doing in terms of investments, they are shifting away from the bottom of the technology stack into focusing on engagement. How do they engage with, uh, with employees, with partners, with, with value delivery out to the customer? And they're also driving insights, so how they help the company understand and respond to changes. Bob, you said alignment. And alignment can be kind of a remedial point. It could say, yes, we got on the same page but if I think of AI and I think of becoming a software company, I'm choosing the nature of my company. I'm making a board and CEO decision based upon my technology position. And so it's not really alignment at that point in time. It's a strategic choice and then strategic orchestration of the entire company. That, that's a very different context for the role or the conditions for success of a CIO and their tech team. Well, and, and they both have to happen. Why is that the case? If if an AI is already and will continue to be ever more a key part of everything we do, so you can think of AI as a strategic piece, and and that would go into we talk about Philips Healthcare and going into the software that wraps a heart monitor. There's a lot of AI going to help that work well. So that is a product strategy, top down. This is what we're doing for a business. It's it's many years coming that decision. We also could look at AI as um, part of personalization or individualization. So I put AI in my phone so that it recognizes the context I'm in, et cetera, and it makes my experience personal. That's not something that's a company decision. That's something that, uh, may, well, maybe a product person makes it, or it could be a marketing or a sales uh, uh, strategy to say, oh, Bobby's near this store. Let's feature this product we know is on sale in that store. So, Bobby, is there a systemic change in how markets run, and and how does that manifest for the CIO? Well, the the answer is yes. There is a systemic change, and I think that's the the 
piece that most people miss. Uh, a, a year, a year and a half ago, the CIO of a very large healthcare payer said to me, I got this digital thing knocked. I've got a website and I got a mobile app that talks to my website. I'm done. You know, he did not understand. It took about an hour and a half to crack his worldview to the point where he realized healthcare was turned upside down and he was missing it. So that's a, that's the systemic change. And if we look at the 62% that uh, are the unwashed masses just now figuring out who their customer are and still not ready to do anything transformative, they are probably not aware that this is a systemic change. And the CIOs in those companies are really still in a tactical, less strategic. They're not working with the, the CEO. They're not doing the top-down, let's drive a dramatic change in the business. So as we've gone through this conversation, I've picked off at least three conditions of success. And let's go through them one by one. The first one is that the CIO needs to be tied to their external customer, the external customer that's actually reshaping markets. That's the first one. The second one is if, if I successfully make that connection, I can therefore make the connection between what I do from a digital experience standpoint and the revenue growth, or if I don't do it, the revenue decline of the company. And the third one is, as I sort of think about AI, I'm not really thinking of technology as a delivery engine to the strategy. What I'm thinking about is technology might be the strategy. So therefore, I need to, as a CEO, put in place a strategy that has technology very much in the fore and include that not just the CIO, but all the business people that are designing and executing the operations. Those are the three that come to mind. Let's do it one by one. Let's start with the customer, the linkage to the external customer. What does that look like when it's successful? Well, it, it becomes a design point. I mean, we, we, a lot of companies now are using the design thinking model, which says get intimate with the target value, do some iterative testing and validate the opportunity, implement it and see how it works and do that repeatedly. So the customer becomes the target of the design. And so now if I'm a technologist or if I'm a product person or if I'm operations, anywhere I fit in the value creation and delivery, third-party partners, I now have the design point be the customer. So it's a customer-led conversation. So as we build on that, then the second point deals with revenue. So I, as a CIO, a condition of success is I can do things that drive growth, or I may be responsible for protecting the P&L away from sort of the the effects of churn if those experiences are driving either revenue churn or customer churn. That's a very different role for me. What does that look like when successful? Well, it starts to actually tie to the first one where the CIO can't just look at revenue. I mean, that's that's an interesting number, but it's got all the working parts underneath it. So what CIOs are doing are things like um, uh, uh, one company, the CEO, asks the CIO pretty regularly on a daily basis, what is the current customer experience? And that CIO, in order to deliver that, looks at all the parts of the business. Uh, this happens to be a, an office products company. Uh, are we delivering what we said we would deliver? Are we, um, are we having some problems in trucking or in, in uh, the stores and, and how we're moving things about? What is the customer satisfaction, which is an ongoing piece? What are the call center activities? And that CIO has a constant view. It's a, it's a, um, a war room kind of a view of all those things moving. That's, that's revenue driver, but the CIO's got all these moving parts, and this reason they're in a good position to drive that role. The third one brings us back to the strategy of the company itself. It changes the relationship between technology as a delivery engine to fulfill the strategy to technology becomes part and parcel of the strategy. I'm becoming a software company. I'm using AI to create fundamental strategic advantage in the marketplace, et cetera. 
What does that look like when done well? Well, it's, it becomes the, it's the question of systemic change. It becomes a key focus of the whole company. So the CEO drives this. It becomes part of the whole planning. All the, all the executives and leadership team have to get on board. In fact, the most dramatic transformations that are out there are driven by a new CEO who comes in and says, we're going digital. Or we're going to be the customer first company or something of that ilk. That then picks the whole company up and drives it forward. If it doesn't work that way, then you end up with stumbling. And that's actually a measure of maturity. A company that is is starting to fire on all cylinders is, in fact, going to be led from the top for the change. So, Bobby, you said something in the podcast that caught my attention, and that was in the assessment where you said the CIO is a fundamentally aspirational character. And if you look at the market dynamics today for any company or an executive, that's a character trait that is truly critical to be aspirational, ambitious, creative, technology adept. I mean, those are important characteristic traits for today's and tomorrow's marketplace. Placing the CIO as really in a strategically advantaged position, but some of the evidence doesn't say they're sort of grabbing that all in. We talked about some conditions of success that allows them to be more successful. So what does it mean for the CEO and CIO attempting to redesign their companies for the challenges of today and tomorrow? Well, the key piece here is that not all CIOs in position today are going to make the cut. Just as it's also true, not all the companies are going to make the cut. Those which will, will have the CEO who understand is driving in response to the systemic change and is bringing their company along with them, with the CIO as a critical partner, not an afterthought and order taker, to make things happen. So the CIO has to be able to play that visionary role or technology or be replaced. Thanks for joining us today, Bobby. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.